Hey, welcome. Scott Linden here. This is the Upland Nation podcast. So glad you could be joining me. Uh, I know it's a busy time of year. Yeah, we'll talk about that, among other things. So stick around. We'll be going into the uplands in one of my favorite states, Kansas. Yeah, this is when uh, you finalize that big trip of the year. And uh, I'm going to give you uh, some reasons to take a look at something other than a state that starts with north or south. I'll give you a guidebook, some good spots, tactics, some tales from my own dozen or so visits. But that's not all. In our Handle It segment, we'll be talking about other things you can do with your e-collar that might make your life a little bit simpler, your dogs as well. And we'll learn what you shot in September if you were lucky enough to get out early. So cover all of that and uh, who knows what else, a rabbit hole or two may just appear and we'll probably go down it. It's all made possible by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, Trulock Choke Tubes, MidwayUSA.com, Purina, Pro Plan Sport, Dog Food, LandTrust.com, and Hi-Viz Shooting Systems. Well, the chucker and quail season... Well, hun season, pheasant season, everything opened here in the West um, last weekend, and uh, I was there. Yep. Didn't go to my usual opening spot. Uh, it happened to be the one best place to watch that. Uh, what, are the, what do they call it? The annular eclipse? It's not a total eclipse, but you can see the rim of the sun around the outline of the moon. Well, everybody was there, <laughs> so we went somewhere else. Once again, I was reminded that there are many things that make a great hunt, including a great campfire at the end of the day, kind of like a magnet. You know, you hear the term moths to flame. Well, humans do the same thing, and that's a good, good outcome. Everyone and every dog stayed healthy. The bird numbers are looking good. I'll have more on that as we get deeper into the season. And uh, uh, so stand by, but, uh, you know, Last uh, couple weeks, I've been asking people on social media and also on my Upland Nation Insights newsletter, uh, if you got to hunt in September, what did you shoot at the most? And I'm fascinated by the answers. Of course, the number one response, the highest number of folks were out there shooting at doves of one sort or another. Almost 40% of you who were in uh, the hunting mode in September did that. Number two on the list, forest grouse. Yeah, a lot of that, 20, 24% all told. Prairie grouse, another 12%. Woodcock, another 4%. Teal hunters, yeah, 4%. And then, there, yes, there are a few places to hunt chuckers early in the season. Well, you're a better man than I, and I hope your dog survived, but 3% of you were out doing that. Uh, glad to hear it. Uh, then just for fun, I asked, uh, if you were hunting at all, uh, one of the answers was ammo. What are you looking for? Yep. 14% of you are still looking for ammo. So, um, you know, good luck on that. Yeah. Well, we'll be into the uh, whole Kansas thing in just a moment. First, a word from Mid Valley Clays and shooting school. I shot pretty well again. Yeah, and I, I give everybody at Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School the credit for that. 
uh, all the instructors are hunters. They know what works on the range and in the field, and that's important. And um, so it might be worth your while after, you know, an opening weekend that didn't go quite as well as you thought. If you're heading through or you live in western uh, northwest, uh, western Oregon in particular, take a look at midvalleyclays.com, maybe schedule a lesson. And and I'll tell you, in, in, in one lesson, you'll find something that you can work on that will probably add a bird to your bag. It has for me. And if you're shopping for a new gun, Remember, midvalleyclays.com is subgauge central, 20s, 28s, 410s, always in stock. So check them out, midvalleyclays.com. And Sage and Breaker, gun cleaning and care, transport, and other ways to just uh, give your firearms uh, some TLC. I'm uh, resolved to do that better, as I mentioned uh, a week or two ago. I've got all my sage and breaker stuff in the truck so that i will use it it's right there accessible you know i open the drawer where my i put my shotguns that's where all my stuff is reminding me to at least run the three-in-one bore cleaning system through my shotgun barrels if i got a little more time i'll do a little bit more including a little spritz of the clp but it's all right there and handy And I do all that on my Sage and Breaker gun cleaning mat. Don't forget to sign up for the mailing list. You'll get first word on future sales and new products. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. So let's take a little trip. If if you watch my show, Wing Shooting USA, you know I I love Kansas for a bunch of reasons. Uh, um, Former Governor Sam Brownback, a a lifelong hunter, has had me out for his invitational pheasant hunt several times. Got to know a lot of the other folks in that world. That is a great event, by the way, if you ever can make time for the the Kansas uh, Governor's Invitational Pheasant Hunt, make sure you do. Uh, And the good news there is um, the season opens a little later, Um, but it's it's just like any other more southerly state. You don't really want to be chasing birds in the heat. And so uh, check the season uh, start uh, out there and then take a look at that governor's hunt, among other things. But Kansas has so much going for it. I've been there, like I said, about a dozen times from the very first cast and blast episode I did back before before a high definition uh through uh many of the fur feathers friends events and a lot of times just for fun passing through or visiting friends and staying for a while i want to focus on kansas because we've looked at south dakota we will look at north dakota uh but i know kansas a little bit better than some people and i've had some positive experiences and i do believe that it is a great alternative to North Dakota or South Dakota. So let's uh, let's let's just go for a little adventure in uh, Kansas. We'll jump around on the map. We'll get some stories, uh, some hard information, techniques, and tactics. All right here on the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, let's start near Atkinson. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, we'll look it up on the map. The whole state has uh, public access ground of one sort or another. They have a very well-developed walk-in hunting program. They call it Weehaw, walk-in hunting access. And I've had the pleasure of hunting with the guys who administer that. And they've showed me a few ins and outs. And if you don't have your Onyx or some other online mapping app, do get one because that will help you in uh, accessing all of those places. You also can get yourself a, a hard copy of their Atlas and a few other things. Uh, and in fact, now's a good time to remind you that their uh, their resources are all available at ksoutdoors.com. So check them out there. But we were near Atkinson a while back, and uh, it was <clears throat> it was um, bizarre in, in some ways and, and wonderful and rewarding in other ways. We were driving down an old dirt road out in the middle of nowhere, and <clears throat> the night before, they'd had a, a bit of a snowfall which, you know, doesn't happen early in the season very often down there, but it did, but only on one side of the road. Yeah, while the sun was gleaming off that snow on the south side of the road, the north side of the road, for some reason, was bare. And that was a good thing, because that's where we were going. That was the property we, we had received permission to hunt. And it, it was uh, a little bit of everything, a mixed bag of uh, knee-high CRP grasses. There was a shelter belt in the distance. Uh, there was some uh, soybean fields and a lot of wheat. Now the wheat had been cut, but everything else was still standing, and it was all ours. Yeah, we headed off into the bare ground, and uh, this was uh, an organic farm, so... Uh, you know, there's, there was a goodly number of uh, overgrown ditches, uh, weedy spots, a little bit of, you know, what they just called dirty farming. Uh, ultimately, though, uh, that is probably the best thing that ever happened to that piece of property. It, it was probably not going to pay off from a farming standpoint, but from a farming plus a hunting standpoint, it was, uh, we hit the jackpot. We walked that whole place. In fact, we probably looped through it twice. It wasn't that big, probably 300, 400 acres, maybe a, you know, right in there. Um, over the course of time, we, we walked a shelter belt that, uh, well, we jumped whitetails out of that shelter belt. We, I, I almost, uh, I almost um, well, let's just say I was rather surprised when the great horned owl flushed in front of me and my dog. And we did get a few birds out of there. Most of them, of course, go the wrong way. When, when you're on the right, they're flying out the left and vice versa. Here's a lesson I learned out of that. And, and you know, I've talked about this briefly once or twice, but maybe not in regards to a shelter belt. You know, a lot of those shelter belts are just one or two rows of some kind of conifer, depending on where you are. And, um, and we, we don't do this as often as we should, but next time I'm there or any place like that, uh, I'm going to vote that we put a blocker at the end of that shelter belt because, you know, we're 80, 100, 200 yards from the end and watching many of the birds squirt out that far end because they've run the whole way trying to stay ahead of the dogs, trying to stay ahead of us, and nobody's there to stop them. So a blocker on a shelter belt, just like in South Dakota sometimes, uh, worth a try. 
That's not all, though. We we probably jumped 60 birds on top of all of that, plus a cottontail here or there. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, and it worked out for us. The real key to that was covering all that ground very carefully. We had three or four dogs on the ground at all times, and, and in that big CRP stuff, uh, all the better because birds can skulk out real easily unless you've got them basically surrounded. Now, the Sunflower State uh, has a lot to offer traveling hunters, a variety of terrain, diverse crops, a lot of bird species. We'll talk about that. And um, in my book, some of the things that are truly important, especially later in the season, warmer weather, bigger bag limits. Yeah, you can you can shoot four ringnecks a day and a non-resident license that's good for a whole year, 365 days. So... You buy that license, you can use it that season and all the way up to the day before next season. Yeah, what a bargain. Uh, On top of that, you probably won't do what we did one year. We were out there, I think it was for Governor's Son. I'm not even positive. Yeah, it was. Um, The week before, the state had had an earthquake, a tornado, and a blizzard. But by the time we got there, everybody was just fine and willing to host us for that hunt and for a few days of fun hunting afterwards. So uh, that's kind of a, a, a kind of a, a compliment to the resiliency of Kansas residents. I've always had a good time there, and the small communities that support the hunting world are um, eager to have you. I'll talk more about those as we get into the story about our trip to Kansas, trips to Kansas. Uh, a million and a half acres of publicly accessible hunting land through the walk-in hunting access program. And that's not counting all the federal and state ground on top of that. So uh, get yourself a good hunting atlas from the state uh, or uh, get their app and uh, find a colored spot on the map and drive to it. Among the species you can hunt in the uplands, uh, ringnecks, bobwhites, greater prairie chickens, and every once in a while, a little surprise. We'll talk about that as well. But number one, it's all about access. Their walk-in program controls and then administers so much great land. And for some reason, it is, by and large, a little bit better than a lot of other places. The guys who administer it, I know, they're conscientious. They know what we're looking for. They're bird hunters, too. So they're picking and choosing, and they are high-grading the walk-in hunting access. And it pays off for everybody, especially for us. I'll never forget one trip. Uh, we, we were doing one hunt with them. Uh, this is for uh, the TV show. And we parked on a spot, uh, you know, wide spot in the road, and we're going to hunt that area over there. It's got a little of everything, and that's the joy of Kansas. It had a a bunch of timber. It had ditches. It had cut crops. It had standing crops. It had this thicket of, um, what is that? Um, Well, I think it's a berry of some sort. I can't remember now, but whatever it is, uh, the first thing they told me when, when I got there was, don't ever drive past one of those. Um, do not 
ignore the berry thickets. So we didn't. Uh, um, but while we were getting all our gear together, I looked around and uh, Flick's gone. I look here, I look there, and look up. Oh, here, there he is on point alongside one of those thickets. So we drop everything, drag the whole flying circus of cameras and gunners, and sure enough, first Bob White of the season right there. <sighs> Boy, I still he was very young at the time. I got I to gotta conclude the story. So that bird dropped farther into the thicket, and nobody could find it. He was working at it. We sent a Labrador in there. We probably sent somebody else's pointer. Yeah, we had another, we had another wire here that looked just like Flick. In fact, um, uh, nobody. So you know, we're about to give up when we hear this, and then here comes Flick. He had dug under a fallen log, <clears throat> grabbed that bird, and brought it back. You ever had that happen? Yeah, it's it's so gratifying. My first bird did that with a my first dog did that with a rough grouse many years ago, and it, it just just amazing how their noses will work and their uh, their instincts, their prey drive. I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, just kind of reminiscing on some of my trips to Kansas in hopes that you'll take a look at it as an alternative to some of the you know the mob scenes you get in other states. Uh, all sorts of reasons for it, including the wonderful, charming town of Osborne, Kansas. Yeah, the mayor's a bike mechanic. The citizenry welcomes hunters. It's also surrounded by Weehaw ground, plum thickets. That's what it is, plum thickets. Next to pastures, that's where the bob whites can be. They're the wildest bobs I've ever seen. And, and you know, knock wood, every year I get to hunt a few of those somewhere. Um, we we have had such a great time in small towns like that. One of the few towns left that has a Boy Scout lodge. You remember the days when all the Boy Scout troops had their own building in a cool place? They still have one. We had uh, fun in Osborne that trip, uh, hunting everything from stubble to uh, uh, oaks. Oak woodlands, I guess, uh, swales uh, with high grass, and then those high spots on the uh, cut grain fields, sometimes held pheasants, but they were usually down in the ditches along the road. Got plenty of misses out of those, but uh, still had a wonderful time. If you're thinking about a new destination, Osborne, Kansas might be on your list. I would suggest it at least. Uh, you never know what else might rise from that ditch if you send your spaniel in there. Um, they love what they're doing, and so do the folks out there. Uh, the more reliable quail populations are further in southeast from Osborne. No matter where you go, you might find a pheasant. There's another type of quail. I'm saving that one for later. And, yeah, uh, once in a while, you know, th there used to be greater prairie chickens. We won't dwell on that. There's, there's a long story there. We don't want to deal with that. But they're a little bit harder to find and, and quite often uh, threatened in one way or another. Pheasants, of course, the premier bird. But um, you can find pheasants and sometimes even quail in some of these other places. That Dodge City area, they've been always been good to us. 
great programs of various sorts from the high school football team. Thanks, Coach, for your hospitality to uh, to the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Jetmore, another nearby town that has lots going for it, including Horse Thief Reservoir. Maybe you saw that on the Wing Shooting USA t- uh, episode a while back. Uh, incredible reservoir. Uh, the communities banded together to create that water source for all the reasons you create water sources in the 20, 20th century. Back then, they needed water for irrigation, for uh, for their use in municipal areas, and it's created some incredible wild bird habitat. They're still experimenting with it, which is kind of cool, and Josh Hobbs is a good guy in uh, managing all of that. But they do have pheasants, and they do have an incredible amount of uh, habitat diversity. Prairies to CRP, Milo. Yeah, even uh, Milo that you can walk through, corn, weedy shorelines. Maybe you saw that incredible um, water retrieve that Manny gave me on a ringneck right on that peninsula that goes out into the reservoir. It was incredible. Uh, Also good public access at uh, Atkinson. I talked about that. Goodland and Norton, which have been uh, the site of the governor's hunt in, in past years. All sorts of access out there mainly for ringnecks. We, we hunted one spot. A uh, lot of old homesteads out there. We hunted one. Uh, we, we put the flushing dogs on the ground for this one because it was, wow, the place was so old that it had trees growing out of it. Uh, and it was thick, and there was all sorts of stuff in the way. So we put the little dogs out and held our breath, and, and all of a sudden, right at the foundation of that old building, Three roosters jumped, uh, three different directions, three different shots. Uh, everybody took credit on one or the other of the birds. Yeah, walked across the street to a cut cornfield, found pheasants hunkering in the down stalks. It was a beautiful nearby draw, and pushed uh, pushed first by a coyote. So we just watched as all the birds flew like kind of popcorn going out. And um, learned a lesson there as well. I've used this ever since. If you're walking a, even a small field, but a big field for sure, um, don't have enough people to put blockers at one end and drivers at the other. One of the drivers ought to volunteer every once in a while to swing wide outside the field, trot down to the, you know, maybe 50 yards ahead and become a blocker right in there for a while. Sometimes that will pay off without having to go all the way down to the end and be bored for three quarters of the hunt. It uh, It's paid off for me in Oregon. It's paid off for me on chuckers in a riparian zone uh, and also in um, on ringnecks in, uh, in Kansas, among other places. So th- that's something I learned uh, well, the hard way frustrating hard way I guess I'd call it uh finally putting two and two together maybe you've already come up with that one I don't know but it's worth a look now I've given the quail kind of a second billing here mainly because we're all after those gaudy um colorful ringnecks quite often but western Kansas has a lot of states that might um, rank higher on your bucket list. Uh, Bob White's in many places. 
growing bird populations and great terrain and habitat. Um, southeast Kansas is the uh, hotbed for bobwhites. Northeast comes in a close second. But almost anywhere that there's good habitat, you might find a few birds. Like I said, uh, you know, the, the bumper sticker in Kansas says, find a plum thicket and you'll find quail. It's, it's, it's sort of almost true. If you're looking for a mixed bag, it's southwest Kansas. The bobs are a pleasant surprise on a rooster hunt. Um, you might start in places like the Spring River Wildlife Area. That's near Crestline. And Copan Wildlife Area, same general area. If you're in central Kansas, the Caw Wildlife Area and Slate Creek Wetland Wildlife Area near Oxford will give you the chance at a mixed bag uh, a little bit more um, quail than pheasants. And one that I am intrigued by, haven't had a lot of um, time to spend there, but Fort Riley is exactly that. It's an army base, but it does offer public access for both pheasants and quail. Got to jump through a few hoops, but um, I understand why. Definitely worth a look. Fort Riley is uh, it's up there on the list for my next trip. Now, if you go further south, like we did, we did we did a an episode of Cast and Blast there a million years ago, and it, it, I'll never forget. It was so funny when we when we talked to the guy we were going to hunt with. He said, "Well, you can fly into Texas, or you can fly into Oklahoma, and then you got to rent a car and you got to drive to this land." And I'm thinking, "Well, where the heck are we? We're going to hunt in Kansas." But yeah, right in that corner there, take a look at the map, Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas right there, scaled, scaled quail in the lowest latitudes of the state down there. We walked over what what was the Cimarron River, uh, but at that point it had gone underground. So uh, back in the day, Kit Carson was walking the same ground. Now we were you know, kind of slipping and sliding our way through the deep sand that had been a riverbed uh, a long time ago um, and had a lot of fun. Uh, there were lots of scalies and there were a lot of wild pigs. There were also a lot of sand burrs, but uh, you learn to live with that in whatever way you prefer. Uh, boots on your dogs or find another place nearby. All of those things uh, made that a, a kind of a, a memorable hunt. Walking in the in the moccasin footsteps of Kit Carson, it uh, it was worth the sandbur headaches. You have to ask my old guy Buddy about that, but uh, we had a good time. His paws, well, they recovered fairly quickly. A lot of times, you know, those those cotton tops will uh, will run rather than fly, so. Sometimes a flushing dog is a better strategic alternative than our pointers uh, who looked at us and wondered why we weren't up there yet trying to flush those birds. Yeah, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. We're uh, continuing our tour of Kansas uh, very soon. We'll also talk about other ways to use your e-collar to your advantage in the field. Uh, some interesting uh, things that I've learned in the last couple of years. We'll be talking more about them on a video soon. It's all coming up right after this word from TrueLockChokes.com. 
They got a choke tube for just about anything. I think the last time I talked to Scott Trulock, he said they make 2,000 different choke tubes. Well, somewhere in that pile is the one you need. Put the right choke tubes in, well-manufactured, you know, the right materials, the right engineering. You're probably going to shoot better. Yeah, you are. So consider swapping out your factory chokes for some well-made TrueLock chokes. That's T-R-U-L-O-C-K chokes.com. And I'm fueling my dog, Flick, with Purina Pro Plan Sport. There's a formula for just about any dog at any point in their life designed for active, hard-working dogs. ProPlansport.com is where you learn more about those formulations. 20% fat, 30% protein. That is the right balance to fuel metabolic needs and maintain lean muscle. That's what we want. And real meat, of course, is the first ingredient. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here. We're uh, touring Kansas, one of my favorite states, if you hadn't figured that out yet. Hospitality, great habitat, wonderful people. Oh, yeah, and a few birds here and there. I'm still trying to get back with all all you firefighters who invited me to western Kansas. Uh, I will do that at some point in time. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I mentioned prairie chickens. I'm just going to touch on them a little bit because, you know, they, they are getting beat up. Now, the lesser prairie chickens are pretty much off the list. We were there the last year you could hunt them, and we actually did try. The wind was blowing uh, so hard, we finally gave up. Yeah, I mean, it was just just crazy. We flew a few pheasants, believe it or not, but we never found a lesser. Now, the graders are still available. You want to be careful about where you're going. You want to know more about their habitat. Check the regulations. Depending on where you are, they may or may not be available. And here's my plug for South Dakota. If that's really what you want, maybe you ought to go to South Dakota for for your prairie chicken. But if you are bound and determined... Early in the season, you hunt them just like you do sharp tails everywhere else. You roam that country in the Flint Hills and the Smoky Hills with pointers. You find small coveys and singles. And in the breaks at parallel streams in the northwest and west-central Kansas areas, there may be birds as well. Now, in the late season, it's kind of a pass shooting game. I don't know much about how that works, and I, I wouldn't do it anyway. I can't sit still, but... Uh, check carefully on where you can and can't hunt prairie chickens, and then good luck to you. Send me a picture if you get one. We've had some real fun, um, you know, luckily being taken by other people who know the country real well, but sometimes just exploring on our own over the years. Goodland, Kansas is good. Uh, they got a real hunting heritage there. They're glad to have us. And uh, on top of that, there's some pretty good hunting ground. There's a lot of places where these rolling hills create little, for lack of a better term, amphitheaters. Uh, and there's a little moist, more moisture at the bottom of those uh, bowls. So the 
covers a little bit better. Uh, you can run a dog from the top down into the bottom and maybe he'll find something there. They may fly, they may run till they get to the, the, the skinnier cover towards the top. Whichever way, just know that going in. In fact, uh, you know, I talked about blockers a few minutes ago. There's another opportunity to put a blocker somewhere on the high ground so that when your dog busts a bird out that keeps running instead of flying, maybe they'll see that blocker uh, skyline on the top of the knoll and they'll, uh, they'll fly instead. But in this case, um, that was Manny. I had Manny with me at the time, and we were down uh, heading into one of those bowls when he kind of just, uh, I've heard the term cat dancing. You know what that is when they just kind of slow and they, you know, they, they pick their feet up a little higher and then poof, they just stop. We had all the time in the world. I even said, hey, Lynn, bring your camera over here. Tad, how about right over there? That way, when, when I shoot that bird, it'll be right between you. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> the bird got up. I missed the safety on the gun mount, and the bird flew away unscathed. But uh, we still had a good time, and that was just the first of many birds we found in places like that. Um, there is, uh, there's always something to challenge you, whether it's the wind, the weather, um, or the bad shooting. <clears throat> we found him later that day, and Manny finally did get a retrieve on that same bird. And I know it's the same bird because we tracked it as it flew over the knoll. Lynn was on the top with his camera. He marked it down with the camera, and we went right over there and worked that bird through a irrigated field that um, that finally paid off for us another day we were just a few dozen miles away it was pretty quiet and we were you know kind of showcasing a couple new women hunters who they were very experienced hunters they just never hunted birds before uh, and my goal was to put them into a bird or two get come on everybody and it was not working. So we ended up at lunch talking to some guys who had a family farm down the road. And they were uh, they were growing sunflowers. Yeah, it's the Sunflower State. In fact, there's a gigant, I mean, gigant, monumental sculpture of a, a, a painting easel. You know what an easel is. With uh, Van Gogh's uh, sunflower painting on it. You got to see that. It's right out there. Um, so anyway, they said, yeah, come on with us. Well, let's hunt those sunflower fields. And they had a bunch of big labs. So we left all the pointers in there and we, we got at one end and we had a couple of blockers at the other end and, uh, and we walked and walked and walked. And then the seed heads started rattling in front of us. And then the dogs started getting really happy. And then the roosters would break out of those sunflowers, you know. And it's it's like it's like playing maracas if you know how to if you know what those are, yeah, musical instrument, you know that shaker thing. That's what the birds sounded like as they get up. The first couple wing beats hit those seed heads, uh, the sunflower seed heads, and the stalks, and they just rattle like that. Um, out of all of that. Julie got her first bird and was so 
grateful to finally shoot a flying pheasant. It was worth all the hard work. That ringneck dropped like a stone. One of the chubby chocolate labs brought it back to her. How do they keep track of that? And everybody high-fived, hugged, and then uh, shed a tear. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was, uh, you know, it made the day. But you know how that is. You know, most of us are really excited about helping newcomers join the team, as it were. So uh, think about doing that as well. Kansas is a great place to do it. That is uh, kind of the short version of my wonderful ode to Kansas you cannot go wrong. Learn more about them at ksoutdoors.com. It's a no-brainer. I mean, if you're looking for a place to go that has a longer season, warmer season, bigger bag limit, and a real bargain when it comes to a non-resident license, you cannot beat it. Some of the things you need to know, like I said, uh, their season doesn't open till mid-November, but it runs to January 31st, and the weather late in the season for ringnecks is pretty good. Uh, you can start hunting prairie chickens if you choose uh, in mid-September through the end of January. Pheasant limit is four a day, 16 in procession. Quail aggregate of all species, eight per day, 32 in possession. <clears throat> yeah, always worth a look. Resident license, non-resident license, I'm sorry, about a hundred bucks right around there. And uh, all sorts of um, requirements that you might want to be careful of if you want to hunt Fort Riley. You got to have a hunter ed card. So uh, if you're born after July 1st, 1957, and you haven't taken your hunter ed course, you probably ought to work on that. You ought to be careful about heat early in the season for your dog. I've never seen a rattlesnake, but I'm told they are there. I doubt you'll ever need snowshoes. And um, it's worth a look if you're searching for an alternative to those other great states, no matter where they are. There's some great ones out there, and Kansas ought to be on that list as well. I'll be talking about other ways to use your e-collar right after this. We're brought to you in part by PointerShotguns.com. Uh, they did right by me on opening weekend. I, I have had a great time with the new side-by-sides. I have one with a nickel silver receiver and one with case coloring on it. Uh, they all have a seven-year warranty. They're all... Uh, um, beautifully made. The fit and finish is remarkable, especially at the price point. No matter what you're looking for, they probably have something for you. Go to PointerShotguns.com and shop around. Find a nearby retailer and then uh, uh, go take a close-up look at one. The best I can remind you. These are guns that uh, they punch well above their weight. Last year at Pheasant Fest, uh, I cannot think of anybody who was not pleasantly surprised when they took one off the rack and uh, put it to their shoulder and then looked closely at the fit and finish. They now have a 28-gauge case colored over and under. They got youth guns. Learn more at PointerShotguns.com. 
and outfit the rest of your hunt at MidwayUSA.com. I know I do. They really do have just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. I've, you know, I've told you about some of the things I bought. You, you might be surprised. So give them a look. Just go to the search bar and uh, look for the things that you want and see if they have them. From ammo to, 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 to apparel to uh, camping gear of all sorts. And you'll save 10% off your next order if you sign up for email or text notifications. So put your list together, sign up, and take 10% off your next order at MidwayUSA.com. You know, I've become a big believer in stealth. Yeah, I know, no, uh, yeah, the elf, the elk hunters, the deer hunters, uh, the, oh, anybody shooting a rifle probably knows you got to be quiet, you got to be careful, you don't want to spook your quarry. But the same holds true for birds, especially pressured birds, maybe later in the season. But we've got this partner out there running around uh, looking for bird scent, and he he needs to be directed once in a while. The problem is we yell at him, we blow our whistle, and all of a sudden that stealth concept goes out the window, unless we learn how to handle it with our e-collar. Yeah, here are the things we usually do. We got verbal commands. Maybe you use hand signals of one sort or another. Those are all great. Maybe you use a whistle once in a while. Sometimes none of those are going to work. You want to be quiet. Your dog's too far away. He can't see you. Your e-collar might be able to help. I use mine. Just learned the hard way. Use mine for a few simple commands that I direct flick with that seem to pay off in many ways. It's also kind of magic. Uh, you know, you don't want to show off too much, but it's kind of cool if you're just standing there and you can carefully and discreetly press the right button and your dog changes direction. Woo! Just like that. That's one of the things I do with mine. I, I have a verbal command and a whistle command and a hand signal for all those things, and so I just overlay other things. Now, I'm not using the stimulation, the shock, at all. But these days, our e-collars have all sorts of other things uh, in their repertoire. Uh, the tone is the one I like the most. It's right there. Dog can hear it because it's right there. Not the beeper, the tone. And then the vibrate function. Both of those together can be used for any number of directions. Uh, my friend Jeff Funky uses the vibration as a woe command in the field. I love that idea, and I'm going to try that next season. I've got uh, two beeps uh, of the of the toned thing for uh, for come back to me. I got eight beeps, you know, just a beep 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 that will get my dog to change direction. Uh, those are just some of the ways to do it. Like any training, you'll overlay your collar command if you want to call it that with verbal and leash and whistle hands drill on that for a while and see what happens it's kind of useful more often than you might think yeah and you're more stealthy too 
Handle It This Week is brought to you by HighVizSites.com. See what you've been missing. They got magnetic screw attach and plain barrel sights. Fit most shotguns on the market. You know they work. That's why Ruger, Smith & Wesson, Benelli, Browning, and Remington all use them as original equipment. There's something for you there. Whether you're cross-dominant, you're just trying to focus more, get more information and take a look at their... They have a great page on shooting tips as well. So take a look at HIVIZSites.com. HIVIZSites.com. You might learn something. I know I did. And I learned a lot about the incredible value of accessing private ground. Now, it's not for everybody, but if you are just sick and tired of the other choices,